0: Hi everybody welcome back to the flip side podcast um thank you for joining us once again we missed y'all um even though we did not post a episode last week due to our crazy busy schedules and also due corona to it just land. being corona land and nothing is normal <laughs> anymore uh, yes yes that is my name for the times that we are living in right now So this week we are kind of switching it up and talking about a topic not directly related I guess to the events that have been going on in the news Um, but it is somewhat related just because it is an important topic for everyone to learn. Um, It's something that has been involved in the communities of color for a very long time and i think there's not enough discussion around it you know so today's topic is colorism so for those who don't know i will explain in a second and for those who do know what colorism means um please 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 at the whenever you listen to this drop some comments some um some comments or questions or anything that you might have about what we're talking about just because I think that it's very important to continue these discussions outside of just the podcast so um, colorism just to start out I'll give a quick little definition of colorism and kind of where it came from so colorism is prejudice discrimination based on skin color or shade by someone of the same race usually um it can be someone of a different race of course but usually this is something we we see within the same race um because it's not exactly racism if you're prejudiced against someone in your own race but um the term colorism we first see come about by an author named Alice Walker, and she's the person most credited for the word. In an essay she wrote um, in 1983, in a book called In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, Walker defined colorism as a um, prejudicial or preferential treatment of same-race people based solely on their color. Light skin preference had been common practice in the Black community for generations, but Walker gave it a name, colorism or shadeism, also it's called, and marked it as an evil practice that must be stopped in order for African Americans to progress as a people. So colorism stems from racism, right? Um, it is developed out of slavery, and Oman is going to talk about that a little bit, but essentially it can be perpetuated by individuals that look like you. So that's why it's such a underrated or under-talked about topic because a lot of times it's very easy. It's very easy to recognize the racism between opposite, not opposite, but two different races, right? But when it's someone within your own race, discrimination and prejudice is not as talked about Um, And this is something that not only African Americans have seen or gone through, but this is all over the world. Latin America, Southeast Asia, East Asia, the Caribbean, Africa, parts of Africa, South America, everywhere, right? Colorism happens to many different groups, so... Let's, let's get, get into, into it, it.
1: So in the united states colorism has roots in slavery typically the white slave owners they would show preferential treatment um, for the fair complexion enslaved people and then the people who were darker skinned they would be tasked with doing the work out in the fields and being out in the hot sun all day and they would have to do the more gruesome work um and slave owners they would also be more partial to light-skinned um people because oftentimes it turned out that those were their family members um now the slave owners wouldn't take credit as normally not take credit as um the lighter skinned people being their kids but a lot of times the slave owners would force themselves onto women sexually um and then their offspring would be lighter skinned so that's where that would come from um so that kind of started colorism um in the united states with peripheral treatment like the lighter skinned people are getting treated better um
0: so yeah Yeah, so with everything that Omana just said, um it is noted also that, like she said, the slave owners would a lot of times rape their slave women, either for two reasons, either because, you know, they have this power struggle and, you know, it's patriarchy land. So they would want to, just use their power to force themselves on any woman, but specifically women who were at the lowest of the class bowl. And then also there were some times when um, they would force themselves on slave women because they wanted slave women to bear more children to make more slaves. So even if they would have the lighter skin slaves in the house, because um, It was more acceptable for them to be servants and things like that. And being closer to white made them um, more accepted amongst white people in those spaces. Even though you still were Black, if you had any drop of Black, that one-eighth rule. But yeah, so they would force themselves onto slave women so that they would have more slaves because the law was men could get their... Black men could get their freedom. However, any Black woman, um, all her children would become slaves no matter her status. So it's really interesting. And they did that a lot of times on purpose. But um, anyway, so getting into colorism so it stems from slavery you have the field slave and house slave complex and like Omana said the field slaves would be there picking cotton producing sugar cane farming etc doing a lot of the labor the hard labor and then the house slaves would be in the house cooking cleaning um sometimes they were like companions for the slave for the slave owner's children or mammies to the slave owner's children etc so they pretty much had the more service um, centered positions I guess you could say and at times they were treated a lot better but then there was also a matter of all right, the closer in proximity you were to the slave owner, um, you were under his watch more. So they did also get a brunt of abuse and things like that too. So it's, it's like a who has it worse, who has a better situation? But in all honesty, you can't really say who had it worse and who had it better because either way, whether you were in the house or in the field you were a slave. But that is a thinking that has been embedded into the black community for a very long time. It's like versus each other because it's looked at as like if you're a house slave then, you know, you have probably nicer clothes, et cetera, access to more food, something. And then being a field slave, you're like breaking your back to do hard labor. So Who has the better, no one really knows, but um, it has created a divide in the community. And like, like Alice Walker said, it's an evil divide, right? Because when we should be united together to pretty much overcome or talk about issues that affect all of us equally, Instead, we're trying to figure out who has the worst, who has the better. I who's have a better, question for you. Right. Um, so, I good.
1: just, I don't remember
0: reading anything about
1: this, mm-hmm. but
0: you probably know better than
1: I would. So, when the slave owners were dividing, were dividing like slaves in this way, do you think, and like creating this divide, do you think they did it? Like, were they doing it purposely, purposefully, with the intent, knowing that like they would be dividing this group of people? well i'm not I'm not sure if they would know that it would like surpass like past slavery and like into like modern day, like this divide would um, permeate. But at the time, like, do you think it was being done purposefully, like with the intention of like creating this tension between the same group of people?
0: Absolutely. um. I absolutely believe that. I wouldn't put it past slave owners and um, people of that era because you know, I'm I'm actually really glad that you even brought that question up, right? Because it's not something that's very talked about anyway. But beyond that, time and time again, uh, people in power, the way you conquer is you divide and conquer right that is a tactic a strategy that has been used for ages to conquer a people to conquer a place etc um and as someone who like studied political science i did learn however um just the way in which tactics to divide and conquer were used in the beginning of like this country. So. When the first slave arrived. <laughs> in Jamestown. Sorry if you hear a dog the in dog the background. <laughs> wow. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. My dog is disrespectful. I don't know who he's barking at right now. But I'm very sorry guys. Um, But. Like I was saying. When the first slave arrived. In Jamestown, Virginia. Right. Originally. People were brought over here not as permanent slaves so it's actually both Europeans and Africans brought here as indentured servants Um, and indentured servitude if you don't know is pretty much you work to pay off a debt and you work for however many years to pay off that debt um, or make up for it if you don't have the money so like when there are both white and black indentured servants, there was a time in which there was an uprising in Jamestown and white and black indentured servants actually came together to fight the white elite. And when that happened, um, there's a famous case called the Virginia versus John Punch. John Punch was a black indentured servant, right? And he joined forces basically with two white indentured servants and they stole a boat and they, you know, pretty much were leading this kind of rebellion against the white elite. And what happened was, is once they were caught and brought to court, the two white indentured servants got extended time on their indentured servitude. But the black indentured servant, John Punch, he eventually, or not he eventually, the judge decided to sentence him to permanent servitude. Permanent servitude, right? So that's slavery. Permanent servitude, indefinite servitude, is slavery, and that is the first case in which um, a black person was sentenced to indefinite servitude, which set the standard that all. Black people in America would be permanent or indefinite servants, right? So that is what is like the case that kind of kicked off um, slavery, but then also what happened with between white indentured servants and then slaves, Black slaves, is a lot of them were be hired as um, slave catchers or... Uh, What is the other name? Pretty much they would have to watch over the the Black slaves. But they would live around in the same quarters. So it was crazy because here you have two people who are both poor, right? Two groups of people who are both poor. White people that are poor, Black people that are poor. And you divide them. They have the same problems. They have the same interests, right? You divide them by giving one group of people just a tad bit of power. Like a tad bit of power over another group of people, right? And then right there, you just divide and conquer. And things have never been the same since. And I think that the use of having that, treating house slaves better was both to divide and conquer slaves in their um, plantations because there were hundreds of slave rebellions I think the misunderstanding is that black people were complicit with slavery no there were so many slave rebellions that we aren't taught about Um, but to prevent slaves from your plantation rebelling you divide and conquer them so if you treat some good some of them are going to be like I'm not joining in because I get treated well right or better to, than you, to an extent, right? So you divide and conquer. And I think it was absolutely purposeful and a strategy to just completely dismantle um, the possible unity and power that the community could have had.
1: Oh, but, yeah. Um, um. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy to think about because, again, it's crazy how just giving like one group of people just a little bit of power over another group, how it created just like lasting divide. And like we're still experiencing the fallout of that today. Um, so going into like now present times and how mm-hmm. colorism is affecting everything um, in modern society today. So, research has linked colorism to smaller incomes, lower marriage rates, longer prison terms, and fewer job prospects for darker-skinned people. Um, So, one thing I want to talk about specifically is, like, colorism in Hollywood and how even just, like, you can just see it right off the bat, just like the shows that we watch. I mean, even just, like, stuff that I remember watching, like, in high school, like middle school it was always that like more often than not you would see like for the people who got to play like roles that had um black people in it it was they always went with like the lighter skinned or fairer skinned black person right um I mean I've seen more diversity in the past you yeah. um, know like five to ten years but still it's like a lot it could be a lot better um I remember how excited I was when, like, Lupita Nyong'o started coming on the scene. And, like, she's, like, really the first, like, mainstream, Mm. darker-skinned actress that stands out to me. Um, But, and that's crazy to say, because that just goes to show you that there's not that many, and the work still needs to be done. But what have you noticed with that, personally?
0: Um, I... I think that's both in like Hollywood as far as movies and then also in the music industry. So like in the music industry for me, I used to love watching music videos, right? Um, I would get so excited to come home and put on (laughs) 106 and Park for those that don't know. It's on BET. It used to be the best show ever. And I used to watch the music videos and see like, I don't know. They were just always so interesting to me. Um, but the video girls or the girls that would be with the rappers um, mm-hmm. or the the like leading ladies in those videos, right would always almost always be lighter skin, probably mixed or Hispanic um, girls, right? So they would have the looser curl hair or straight hair they would have light eyes light colored eyes they would have light skin um, and perfect bodies right so for me even though I'm I guess what you would say lighter skin I have always mm, not even not like to take claim but it's just it, it's all subjective, I guess. But even with me being lighter skin, I have really thick 4B4C mm-hmm. four four hair, right? So I don't have that loose curl stuff that <laughs> the girls in the videos would be having. So like I used to chemically process my hair so that it would either be straight or that my curls would be looser. And that caused my hair to... Break Me too. And be damaged and all types of problems. Right. So that was from this whole colorism thing, too. Because part of colorism is also hair texture. And something known as having good hair is having looser, curled hair or straight hair. You know, thick, kinky hair or nappy hair it's always seen as so negative. And I remember, you know, I had been getting my hair chemically processed since I was like seven or eight years old. I wasn't even old enough to really know what the chemicals were doing to my hair. But like when asked, oh, do I want to look like the girls on um, the, the mm-hmm. little boxes? They would have little perm boxes and I'd be like, I want to look like them. So yeah that's where i what i remember as far as seeing colorism um also specifically in like high school all right so i've mentioned before i predominantly i went to a predominantly like black and hispanic high school i say more hispanic than anything um and all my friends almost all my friends almost all my friends in high school were Hispanic so like um I just pretty much remembered as far as conversations about color it wouldn't come up too much but it was something I always noted right so like I noticed how in the Hispanic community colorism is like the darker you are not really wanting to accept your African ancestry, things like that, and um, just the same thing. Sh- straighten your hair. You ever go to the Dominican salon? They will straighten yeah. your hair until
1: no, I feel it that, will yeah, never I've curl going, again. Since like, I was like twelve years old, I've been going to like a Dominican salon, and like for so long, I used to get my hair relaxed and again it would like burn my scalp and like every time I went but here I was watching Sister Sister on TV and Tia and Tamara had that straight hair <laughs> and I thought they looked so pretty so I was like oh I need to get that done yeah. um, so yeah it's definitely a real thing and I mean now I'm just so happy like with my past five years like I've been seeing so many more people like again like we get so much stuff is fed To us, like through television and stuff, and I'm so happy to see that like women are wearing their natural hair more. And like I've felt exponentially more comfortable just like in the past year being able to like rock my natural hair. When in the past I would have never done that because I felt so uncomfortable because like I felt like my hair was ugly and like people wouldn't like it, whatever. So and like that's just what we kind of grow up thinking because again, like what you see in the music video is what you see. On TV is like these like complexion girls with like the straight hair, like the loose waves, and like you think, well, that's the standard of beauty, and that's what I should aim for. Um, but it's cool that we seem to be pushing right. towards a more natural culture.
0: And I posted something on our Instagram page that Zendaya had mentioned. And she even said, you know, being a lighter skinned woman, um, she recognizes mm-hmm. it's a privilege. All right. So there is white privilege and there is light skin privilege. So people of lighter skin tones, whether you are a person of color or not, you automatically have a, a privilege in a sense because, like you said, darker skin has been associated with various things from um, ability to be married or ability to get a job or even how you are treated in schools. I did a whole research paper during my college career on how dark-skinned girls are punished more severely and more often um, than like lighter skin girls because darker skin is seen as deviant and it's seen as um, aggressive and it's just it has all these negative connotations to it and we even saw with the doll test so like before you and I Omana were talking about how um, I forget where, where it was done originally the doll test was something that happened in um, like the 1940s or 50s and it actually helped the case Brown versus Board of Education in 1954 to like prove that um, segregation essentially was not equal, like separate but equal was not really true because the idea is when you separate um, people based off of their race you then make one group um, better or like how white schools have better amenities etc so that's not equal right now the doll test was done again years later in the 2000s I think it was like 2014 actually Um, and In that test, they did it with kids and they had like dolls of, or really it was like on paper, but they had pretty much dolls on the paper of different shades. So they had like a really, really white pale shade, um, then a tad bit darker white shade and then a tad bit darker um, middle brown shade and then a tad bit darker deeper brown shade, right? Right. So with that, they would ask the kids, who's the bad child? And then you would see all the kids. And these were kids of different races, right? These weren't just white and black kids. These were kids of Asian, um, Native American, Hispanic, every, every kid, right? And they would choose the deepest dark color kid as the bad child. And then the good child would be the whitest child. And then they would say, who's the prettiest child? And then they would, like, pick one of the in-between colors. Um, And they would say, who's the ugliest child? And then they would pick the darkest color child. And they kept asking all of these questions. And it just proved that even in this day and age, because that was what, if it was 2014, it was only um six years ago. Or I think it was oh, so it wasn't two thousand fourteen, it was two thousand ten. So even then, ten years ago, you had these like children, not even not high schoolers, not middle schoolers. Like these were elementary school age children. Um and then that was their thinking. Their thinking was the darker you are, you're the bad child, or the lighter you are, you're the good child or You know, being somewhere in the middle, like a lighter skin, but still a person of color Mm -hmm. would be the pretty child or something, right? So that um, just kind of shows that colorism is still something we still live with as a society. And, you know, if Mm -hmm. you aren't a person of color, you don't necessarily have to think about it, right? You have to think about how your skin tone is seen. Um, I remember even in Peace Corps, when we were in Guyana, and everybody would be like, oh, I'm the red gal, right? So I'm sure you remember, Amana. There was a whole song on red gal. Red gal's gonna break your heart. Red gal's gonna take your money. And it was just like, oh, lighter skin girls is, are the worst because they break hearts. They take your money. They take your man, whatever, et cetera. Um, but then it was also like, oh, I would have guys specifically, you know, come up to me or do special things for me because I was red gal. Red gal, gal means light-skinned so girl like,
1: for people who don't know. There, red bone, nice red privilege.
0: gal, light-skinned girl. Right yes right exactly and um there it was more overt right the colorism there was way more overt than it is here I feel like because I had never had mm-hmm. people specifically being like a red gal like you know identifying me by me being light-skinned so um yeah, there you you got privileges. I got the privilege to, like, cars would stop for me, even if I. And, and Guyana, cars don't stop for people. Let's get that one thing. Through. They do not stop. If you were trying to cross the road, you better run. But cars would stop for me. And, you know, then they'll say something to me. Or um, even when I would get drinks bought for me. It would be like oh for the red gal, so yes, lighter skin privilege is also a thing in very various countries, and so, some it's more overt than it is here. But um, one thing I noted also was how like white volunteers would sit out in the sun and like be like oh I'm gonna get a tan right. And I'd just be looking like, shoot, it, I sit out in the sun for two seconds and I'm starting to tan already. I don't know. Um, but there'll be people that would specifically not want to get a tan at all because in Guyana because like, oh, if you get a tan, you're getting too black. Like I literally had, I don't know who said it to me, but someone said it to me, they were like, jeesh this guy in the son got you black girl and I was like oh like I wasn't mm-hmm. black before like I don't <laughs> you know and um it was seen as like oh you need to or not that I need to but like oh when you go home you'll get back to your lighter color you'll get your complexion back or something like it was such a bad thing when I was getting darker in Guyana. Not to me, but to other people. like, And I was just be like, well, I didn't know this was bad. Right? Um, To the point where it actually started to bother me. And I'm like, wait a minute. What are you trying to tell me? And I had to check myself because I'm like, Cheyenne, getting a tan or whatever is it's not a bad thing. It's not a big deal. Like, I don't... I had to make sure that I didn't fall into those traps and when you're constantly being told like oh it's better to look this way or be this way I can understand how kids will internalize that and simply colorism is racism and yeah and I feel like for people again
1: with like even us having lived in Guyana and seeing how much they're exposed to American culture like everything they watch is like American and like they're constantly seeing images of like white people or light-skinned people so that's what they try to strive for I guess like even just like you were saying I had like my students telling me like miss miss like don't get too much sun like don't catch too much sun like and then one of the my colleagues I had worked with she was like Oh Mana, like how have you been like maintaining your skin color in this um guy a sun and I was like what do you mean like she was like, you should be darker than you are. Like, how have you not been, like, getting darker, blah, blah, blah. Like, saying, like, wanting me to tell her, like, what it is that I've been doing to, like, avoid the sun. Meanwhile, I'm just, like, doing whatever I would normally do, you know. But, um, so, yeah, that <clears throat> colorism yeah. is very real there. And, like, I had some students, too, even, like, bleaching their skin. I mean, I didn't realize it, but I had other teachers tell me, like, point kids out to me, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, look mm-hmm. what, like. This kid, like, he bleaches his skin, whatever. Um, So, yeah, people try very hard to fit into that lighter complexion and do things that are dangerous to their physical health in order to try to achieve that lighter complexion. Um, And it's kind of scary. It's sad. It's sad that we live in a world where people feel like they have to try this hard to not be what they were born
0: um so yeah no absolutely and like skin bleaching is a whole thing of itself it has to do of course with colorism but like the fact that you will find in um stores even in like walmart and dollar general You'll see the skin bleaching creams in the areas where it's like predominantly African American um, hair products, and I will send. I will see literally skin bleaching cream right next to the Shea Moisture, the Cantu, the um, Main Choice, all, all the curls products, all the products that I use, and that. Anyone with kinky curly hair is going to use specifically right next to the bleaching creams. And it's like that type of propaganda is you are trying to force, not even force it upon people, but it, it's propaganda pretty much to get people of color to... Um, want to achieve this skin color, this desired skin color type of thing. Um, I knew people that were bleaching and bleaching is very bad, very bad for your skin. It's horrible. But they do it in a sense because it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to be too dark for... And the idea of too dark or the idea of good and bad hair all comes from... Again, this house cool. slave and field slave mentality. And I was telling Omana House, I remember what? in high school, this one boy, I will oh, name no. his name. Chances are he's not listening to this anyway. But right. <laughs> um Darnell. But uh <laughs> but, yes, he had said to me one time. Oh, you are a house inward. I won't say the word. He said I was a house inward. And I looked at him and I was like, What? Really? Like, are you serious? Why would you say that? Um, because you know, the whole house inward, house sleeve thing is, oh, you're light skin, you're you're privileged, you don't know the struggle type of thing. And it's really an insult, right? So, like, that's an insult for someone to say you're a house slave or house inward is a complete insult. Um, and I was just like taken aback by it because it's like, this is, I was in high school in from 2011 to 2015, so this had to be somewhere between that time. And I'm like, are you serious? This is what you're saying right now to me in this day and age like what but it's true like in this day and age and even 2020 we see all these things and um nothing I don't put it past anybody anymore I think what's important is to love the skin you're in I appreciate um Crayola Crayon now making skin skin tone crayons because for the longest I had tried to find my shade and I used to have to use orange I used to have to use orange because there was no light brown <laughs> So and even just like I seeing dolls, you, dolls now crayon. too I'm with like
1: out. different like hair textures and like complexions mm-hmm. I'm like yes can we have some more of that because we are putting, we're putting we've been trying to put people in boxes for so long of how they should try to be and there's so many different variations of the way people can look and I think we need to see that expressed more through simple things like band-aid co- band-aid colors and skin colors and crayons and and foundation thank you Rihanna thank you for fencing. and foundation
0: <laughs> <you for> <laughs> right thank you for fancy because ooh. I mean, you can really see it from it. the 90s. Black people were struggling with foundation. They looked like ghosts in the 90s because foundation colors were just not there. And mm-hmm. even in the early 2000s. But now um, we're getting a little one bit better. One last
1: thing I want to say too yeah. is that so my friends, they um, like especially in college, like so many of my friends, like they love tanning and like going to tanning beds. And like the way that colorism exists in the black community, like it's also like in the white community as well, where I see people, um, like, they try so hard just to like darken their skin color that they're willing to just like lay out and bake in the sun all day and like risk getting skin cancer. So seeing my black people are trying to bleach their skin to become lighter, you have white people literally getting skin cancer to try to have a dark complexion, and like people who are like of a lighter skin complexion, like fair, super white super fair skin, I think they get, I guess, shit on as well because they're so fair. And I wish that we could just like both like more groups of people can just like look at other groups of people and like appreciate other people for what they are and like be comfortable like in your own skin because again like colorism exists like in all different races. Um and people are doing such drastic, take such drastic measures to try. To be something that they feel is more beautiful.
0: I do, however, feel like that the colorism mm. that exists amongst pe- people of color, um, specifically, comes from like the Eurocentric mm-hmm. colonist um, colonization of a lot of places, and like I said, slavery whereas the the wanting of being tanner or anything like that comes from it so kind of comes from like mm. this idea of exoticism so like to be exotic meaning different or unique that's the actual definition of exotic but to be exotic is like um or exotic looking. It's like to pretty much look like the freaking Kardashians. Getting tans. Getting your lips done. You're um, wearing like wigs. Corner, or having different hair color. Or having a bigger butt. Right. And essentially. All those attributes. I think it's important to recognize that some of the attributes that white people deem as exotic looking or chic or in style um, are are actual characteristics or um, traits of black people or people of color and they are shitted on for their natural traits whereas it's seen as exotic when white people have it. So like a white person having a tan Oh, mm-hmm. you look—I don't know. If you're born, if you're something. born dark, but like, yeah, you know, uh, if you're born that color, it's yeah. like, mm, you know, it could be a problem. Or even me having full lips, right? Me having my natural full lips, mm-hmm. which are desired. You know, people would pay for my lips. However that was something I was picked on about in middle school. Like, all types of things were said to me. So, like, it needs to be recognized that with certain people, certain things are seen as just they're fetishized. And that's why people will claim, like, appropriation because these are things that naturally you, um, not everybody, but naturally it is associated with Black women to have the full lips or the, the mm-hmm. skin, the melanated skin, you know, melon popping. Um, and mm-hmm. also braids and things like that, right? But then it's looked down on, you know. Where even when we were talking about going into job interviews and me having to decide on how to wear my hair for the longest time I refused to you know wear my natural hair to a job interview and it was because I just didn't know how it was going to be seen or if I did wear my natural Mm -hmm. hair I wore it pulled back into a bun I was too afraid to wear it you know naturally out and curly um and that is something or even wearing braids, I didn't know how braids were gonna be seen in in different job spaces. So, like, that is something that has to be acknowledged too. The even though, yes, you do have pale people that are shitted on, it's not so much of a, a thing of oh, it's because this is looked at as bad. I think that there's a certain Mm -hmm. look that the magazines and a lot of the media shows, and it's like I said, that quote unquote exotic look. But it's pretty much Mm -hmm. the exotic look is like a white person with black attributes. That's what it seems like. Good.
1: Well, I'm glad you shed some light on that um, and gave your perspective, because I think that was important, too, that you said that. Um, I have nothing else to add. Is there any last words that you want to say about this topic?
0: Um be cognizant of how you speak to your friends because if they are a person of color, um and specifically a darker person of color mentioning you know their skin color can be a little bit weird and then uncomfortable for people because not everyone has gotten to a point in their life where they are completely accepting of themselves so like if you um have someone who has lived with colorism in their community and you're always mentioning their skin or how their hair looks it can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable until someone grows confidence in their you know Mm -hmm. appearance attributes whatever Um, so just be conscious of that and I think there's ways to appreciate someone's looks or admire them. Yeah, like don't go up and touch their hair. Feel don't feel comfortable about. It.
1: You know? <laughs> it's Ooh, I've had people at bars. Don't I just do think that. last don't do that. March I was out at um for like a St. Patrick's Day thing. Literally, I was at the bar getting a drink and some random person I don't know came up and just started playing with my hair and then I heard them talking about it with like their friend oh like, their boyfriend or something, this girl came up and was just, like, touching my hair. Like, that is so weird. Like, why is that? Like, why do people do that stuff?
0: I never understood. It's someone, like, I didn't
1: know, just a random person didn't even talk to me, didn't ask my name, nothing. They just came up and started playing with my hair, my braids, as if it was their property. I was like, what? And it's crazy that people do this. I don't get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we had that discussion in, in Peace Corps, too, where it was like, all right, some people had, some of the volunteers had their students that would, like, want to touch their skin and hair and stuff like that. But that's genuinely because they rarely ever saw white people. Like, even when I was in Guyana, whenever I saw a white person, I was like, are they a volunteer? Because I don't, right. like, do I know them? Because there wasn't many there. It, like, mm-hmm. I could count on my hand how many I saw. In my community, but like here um, in America, we're literally living we're in New Jersey. You go to school so, with you, of all different races. Literally, it's like it's like I I don't know why. Yeah. What makes you think this is okay? It'd be different if we were coming from a completely different country with, you know, right. different social standards or, you know, not really knowing the social climate but like right New Jerseyans don't even like to say hi to each other so why would you touch me why you know and um I remember one time Ooh, it's it was when I went on that date oh yeah I yes. told you my first and only ever <laughs> date with a white boy <laughs> my first and only ever date I've ever had with a white boy um it didn't end it didn't end well uh I wore braids at the time and the guy was like, you know, I love your hair. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, and he's like, it's <laughs> like rope. And he proceeds to pull my braid and touch it. And I was like, well, it's not rope. Okay. And, um, yeah. It, that's right off the it bat, you're like, So you can only imagine how it ended. Yeah. But uh yeah, so be conscious of what you are doing and what you are saying to people because sometimes Yeah. Just really think. Just think dependent. before you're going <laughs> um, you are something. just think yeah. about like what is what think before yeah. you act. That's all we ask. All right. Think before you act. Like would I would I like this? Oh, there's a video. If we can share it, I think I'm gonna share it on our page. Um, of it's basically what we're talking about. It's but it's reverse. So it's like what if black people it's did a funny video the things white yeah. people do and <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's funny, but it's also the truth. It's like, all right, what if I touched your skin <laughs> and been like, oh, this is different. <laughs> okay. All right. And on that note, yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, thanks for listening to us to our loyal dedicated listeners shout out to you guys appreciate having you guys every week to anybody who's new to the show welcome we hope you enjoyed this episode and we can't wait to hang out with you next time on the flip side see ya (laughs) All right. <laughs>